As we step into the message portion of our service, I want to remind us of where we've been. In, in this series we're on through generations, we have been following the history of the people of God, really our own history, but through the people of Israel. And just a few weeks ago, we heard that they finally came back from exile. They started to build this temple, and then they had to stop. And last week, we heard about Zechariah's message of hope. But part of Zechariah's message was also to tell the people, it's time to start building again. And so our video today will tell us a little bit about how that building went. Zerubbabel and the high priest led a group of God's people back to Judah to rebuild the Lord's temple in Jerusalem. First, the priests rebuilt the altar. They gave burnt offerings to God and celebrated. Then they laid the foundation of the temple. When the foundation was finished, the priests put on special clothes and the people praised God. They sang, the Lord is good. His faithful love will last forever. Not everyone was happy though. Some of the older people remembered what the temple had looked like before it had been destroyed. They cried and shouted loudly. Sometimes other people interrupted the building of the temple by making the people of Judah discouraged or afraid. At one point, the building of the temple stopped for a while. God sent prophets to encourage the people and they started working again. At this time, Darius, the king of Persia, ruled over the land of Judah. The king was in charge of a lot of land, so he put governors in charge of some of the land. A governor named Tetanai noticed what God's people were doing. Tetanai asked the workers, do you have permission to rebuild this temple? The workers said, we do. Still, Tetanai sent a report to the king about what God's people were doing. They said King Cyrus gave them permission to rebuild this temple, Tetanai wrote. Please search the royal records to see if this is true. King Darius's officials searched the royal records for Cyrus's order. They found it, a scroll with a record from King Cyrus. This is what was written on the scroll. Let God's temple be rebuilt. It will be a place to offer sacrifices. Let its foundation be rebuilt. King Cyrus had also ordered for the cost of building the temple to be paid for out of the royal treasury. So King Darius sent a letter back to Tetanai. He gave this order. Stay away from the workers in Jerusalem. Don't bother them or try to stop them. Give them whatever they need. Tetanai obeyed the king's order. The Jewish leaders kept building and they finally finished the temple of God. The people celebrated and made offerings to God. They chose priests and assistants to serve in the temple. Then God's people celebrated the Passover. God's people were so happy. Now the temple of God was finally complete. God's people rebuilt the temple so they would have a place to worship God. Years later, God sent his son Jesus to be with his people. Now. God does not dwell with his people through the temple. Instead, God dwells directly with his people through his spirit. 
Jesus provides something better than the temple. He gives us himself. So today we got to learn my favorite name in the entire Bible, Zerubbabel. It's a really fun name to say, so I'm going to give you all a chance to say it. So on the count of three, we're all going to say Zerubbabel. One, two, three, Zerubbabel, right? Zerubbabel led God's people in rebuilding the temple. In a place where God promised to dwell, they kept the command that God gave them through Zechariah and Haggai, and they rebuilt the temple. And then at the end of this building, they had a party. They celebrated with this Passover, and we see this awesome rejoicing happening after they rebuilt the temple. But what I want to think about today is I want to ask the question, why? Why rebuild the temple? Why rejoice at it being rebuilt? And the reason I want to ask those questions is because I think if we can answer those questions, we can answer a bigger question for us. Why do we come to worship every Sunday morning? So think about that. Why rebuild the temple? Well, I think one easy answer is to say, well, God commanded it, and that would be right. God told them, rebuild the temple, and if God says to do something, it's a good idea to do it, right? Uh, The same applies for us, right? We worship because God actually said, gather together. Do not neglect to gather together. But that's only really a part of the answer, Because there's so many blessings that are given in worship, just like there were so many blessings given to the people of Israel at the rebuilding of the temple that actually cause us to rejoice. What might those blessings be? I think one answer that we often give for why we gather for worship and one answer we might try to give to why they rebuilt the temple is that it's the traditional response Right? For the people of Israel, their grandfathers, grandfathers worshipped God in the temple. That that was a part of who they were as a people. Right? They had always worshipped God this way, and so this is what they were returning to what they already knew. Sure, God was with them in Babylon. God's presence is everywhere in the earth, and sure, he heard their prayers in Babylon. But this was what they knew. And this is what their grandfathers knew. And maybe we could say the same. We, we gather here for worship. We sit in these chairs because our grandparents sat in pews and their grandparents sat in pews and listened to somebody talk about Jesus and sing some songs. But that would be another really small view of the blessings that God has to give us. And it wouldn't really take into account this story all that well because as the people are rebuilding the temple, they lay the foundation of it. And those older people who actually knew the tradition, who had actually seen the temple that Solomon built, what's their response? They're the ones that respond with weeping, with sobbing because of the reality that the tradition that they knew of Solomon's great and glorious temple was not actually being continued. The tradition changed. And as the foundation of this temple is laid, we see something different at work here, something greater than tradition. What we see at work is God's promise. 
Zechariah and Haggai commanded the people through God to rebuild the temple. And sure, they were reaching back to similar ways. There were some ways the traditions of their fathers carried through, just like there are some ways that the traditions of the people that laid down worship before us carry through to how we worship today. The bigger thing that's happening when we worship and the bigger thing that's happening when the people build the temple is that God's promise is connected with the place and God promises to be present there. In Zechariah chapter 8, there's this beautiful chapter of how God says, I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. I will dwell in the midst of my people. And the place that he dwells is this temple. In a mysterious way that's kind of beyond our comprehension because we know, well, of course, God is also everywhere. So his presence is everywhere. But in some mysterious way, he is even more present in the place that he promises to be present. Just like when when the first temple was instituted, Solomon prayed that prayer and we saw the cloud of God actually, the cloud of God's presence filled the temple so that it could be felt and seen and heard. And that's why we worship. Because God promises to be present. I'm going to ask you a question. I want to try to get at this by way of analogy and recognize that every time we use an analogy to describe anything God's doing, it's usually going to fall short. But how many of you are sports fans? Okay, you guys have your team. How many of you, keep your hand up if you've ever watched your team play on the television? Okay, a lot of us. Now keep your hand up if you've ever watched your team play in a stadium or an arena before. Okay, plenty of hands stayed up. Well, why would you do that? You go to the stadium in the arena and you just watch the team play there too. So why not just watch the team play from the comfort of your couch where the hot dogs are a lot cheaper? Well, there's something that's kind of hard to put your finger on, right, of the experience of going to the stadium. Right? You can watch the game from home, but when you go to the stadium, you watch the game and you hear the game and the sights and sounds are different. And And they're a little bit more immersive and you experience the game. There's almost like a football or a baseball taste and smell to that place. And you you have all of the fans around you who who are cheering for the same things. The experience is a little bit greater than that distant connection. And I think that that just begins to get us in the right direction of what it means when God promises to be present. When he promises to be present, the experience is both broader and deeper than when we maybe pray to God on our own, when we go to God on our own. But when he promises to be present, God shows up in mysterious ways that are beyond our comprehension as he gathers us here together and Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with them. And we gather together. In the name of Jesus, because it's only Jesus' name that would bring this group of people together in this place. 
Jesus' promised presence is a little bit greater as we experience the awesome wonder of baptism. And, and Hadley actually gets to feel his presence through the water on her head as he, she hears his words of forgiveness over her again. Jesus' promised presence is greater. And when the people of Israel experienced that greater presence, they celebrated. They had a party. And the really cool thing about this is they celebrated the Passover feast. That Passover feast is the same feast that Jesus celebrated with his disciples. Jesus, who is the presence of God in a person, celebrated this same feast. And when he celebrates this feast, right, he gathers with his disciples and he says, this is my body, this is my blood. And there we have the presence of Christ in a way that we cannot even begin to comprehend as he hands over his own body and blood to us. Jesus is present here. And when Jesus is present, forgiveness abounds, brokenness is mended, We worship because we know that Jesus is going to be here in a supernatural way that is beyond our slightest comprehension. And we praise him. We praise him because we have a God who decided to be present with us and promises he will be every single time. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We rejoice that you have sent your Son to be present with us in this place. Teach us to gather regularly to experience your presence for the rest of our lives. And even as we leave this place, let us carry your presence into the lives of others. Heal those who are sick or suffering, especially be with Hannah Cole, and increase their faith in you even through these trials. Heal our prayer for those suffering from illnesses that can't be seen, Bring comfort and strength to those who struggle with depression and anxiety. Comfort those mourning the death of their loved ones. And bless all those on the confirmation retreat this weekend that they would grow in their understanding and faith and later boldly claim this faith as their own confirmation. Truth and peace and justice come from you alone, God. Raise up your people to share your love in their communities that we may live peaceful lives with everyone and proclaim your presence in a place like this. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.